Okay, we're going to study on a subject that it's appointed unto men once to die. If you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. It's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. It says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Verse 25 says, Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away all sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now I want you to take notice in verse 26 that it says, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now I want you to notice that it said, once in the end of the world he hath appeared. Now a lot of people are looking for the end of the world and are talking about an end of a world. The end of the world came when Jesus appeared on the scene. Malachi was the last prophet that God gave to Israel. And 400 years went by, and God never uttered a single word to Israel. We go 24 hours and and wonder where God's at. We think he died. They went 400 years, and God never spoke a single word to Israel. And the reason you have to go back to when the children of Israel was led into Egypt into captivity, they was in there for 400 years in captivity and in bondage as slaves. And then a voice stood up and said, let my people go. All of a sudden, one man stood up being the voice of God in the earth and said unto Pharaoh, it was Moses, said unto Pharaoh, let my people go. And he went to him. And he said, I am that I am, hath said this. The phrase, I am that I am, simply means because I can. It means because I can. It's kind of like if somebody would say, why'd you do that? And you said, because I can. That's exactly what God was saying there when Moses said, who will I say sent me? Because I can. That's, that's why I let him go. That's why we're getting him out, just because I can, because I'm God and I can do what I want to. So 400 years went from, 400 years went from the time that Malachi the prophet spoke until Jesus came on the scene. We're still working through errors here, just you got to work with me. Uh, 400 years went from the time Malachi 
uttered these words, the last words that was given unto Israel until Jesus hit the scene. For those of you that's just joining, we're in Hebrews chapter 9. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared on the scene 400 years later. At the end of the world, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, that was the end of the world because the entire world that they knew was contained around sin. Now, you understand that without the law, there really was no sin. But after the law was given, sin, by definition, is transgression of the law. When you go back to Eden and see that those that were called Adam transgressed against the command that God said you, of all the trees of the garden you may, you may eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat it and don't touch it. They transgressed against the commandment of God. From that point forward, from the time that God had commanded his creation and give laws to his creation, up until the time that Jesus hit the scene, or right before Jesus hit the scene, we'll, we'll go to John the Baptist. When John the Baptist hit the scene, he was really the last prophet. He was the last prophet under the old covenant. John the Baptist was the last prophet under the old covenant. In Daniel chapter 12, God told Daniel to seal up the sayings that are in the book until the times of the end. The times of the end was defined as the end of the world. He said, and then you shall stand in your lot at the end of the world. Joel also prophesied to the end of the world. Isaiah prophesied to the end of the world. What happened was we've missed the end of the world. We, we for some reason, just it, we don't see it or we read over it or we're, we're taught against it or something happens that when we read the end of the world, we still think here in 2016 that it's somewhere off in the future. But Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 said, But now, once in the end of the world, he hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, that he don't have to enter into the holy place once a year and shed blood anymore. He shed his blood once and for all at the end of the world. He, he brought the totality of the law and what the prophets had prophesied, he had brought that to an end when he sacrificed himself. Now, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 is what we're actually going to minister on. It said, and, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now, there's a lot of people for the last few years that have been challenging me on my uh, disagreement to the doctrine of death. See, I, I teach against the doctrine of death. I teach a doctrine of life. And when I say the word doctrine, understand that that word just means teaching. The word doctrine is defined as teaching. And I teach life. There's a lot of uh, theologians and a lot of pastors and ministers that, that preach a, a doctrine of death, but I am 100% against that. God didn't come that we should die. He came that we should live. And when they challenge my teaching of life, they use this scripture, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, 
and say it's appointed unto, and they quote it and say man wants to die, and after this the judgment, but it doesn't say man, it says men. And you have to understand why I've separated men from man. When you go back to Genesis and you read man, nine out of ten times you read man, it's the Hebrew word Adam, which comes from the Hebrew word Adam, which comes from the Hebrew word Adam, and not the kind of Adam when you stump your toe or fall or something. It's 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 rooted from the what we call Adam, okay, and Adam or Adam was the people that God had separated from the darkness that was upon the face of the deep and put his spirit into and put a revelation into and gave them a message to preach and to replenish the earth with God's spirit and God's message. See, there was a state of darkness that fell upon the face of the people and they became godless and chaotic. And the people that darkness was upon the face of was the Hebrew word ish, and it's written in your King James Bible as men. It's written as men. But the those that were called the living were those that had the breath of God inside of them, and they were called man or Adam. And it says, but after this, the judgment. John chapter 2, verse 19 says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? Verse 21 says, But he spake of the temple of his body. I want to read you a scripture out of Mark chapter 14, verse 58 says, We hear him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. I want you to come to understand that the temple is not brick and mortar. It's not two by fours and shingles but it is literally your physical body. That is the temple, and it always will be the temple. Hebrews 9.11 said, But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Now, I, while we're going through these scriptures, we'll just take some time here, and I want you to... Uh, Notice that it's said by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. The people that teach the doctrine of death are the same people that teach that you can't be perfect, that nobody's perfect. Well, I'm going to tell you something that might uh, ruffle some feathers, but it'll be okay. Uh, Jesus said, be ye perfect as your father, therefore in heaven is perfect. And he would not have commanded us to be perfect if we couldn't be perfect. Because our perfection does not lie within our own self, but our perfection lies on in that which dwells in us. That's what makes us perfect. It's not our own works and our own doing that makes us perfect, but it's he who dwells in us that makes us perfect. And we have become the perfect tabernacle, which is your physical body. 
People that say, well, I'm just in the old flesh. I can't be perfect. Your flesh is literally, physically, the tabernacle of God, and it is a more perfect tabernacle. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says, For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, and ye are God's building. Verse 16 said, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Verse 19 says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, ye have of God, and that you are not your own? And the reason I want to read these is because I want to emphatically state that your body is the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost, that God dwells in you. He literally lives and consumes and possesses your very cell structure. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 said, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God hath said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them. Notice, walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Revelation chapter 21 was a harmony of that scripture and he said, I heard a voice saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and they shall be my people, and I shall be their God. I've said for years that that was improperly rendered in the King James Bible, that it was originally the tabernacle of God is in men. It's in us. I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. If you remember in Genesis chapter 3, when after they had eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was not an apple, let that be understood, it was not an apple, okay? When they had eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they hid themselves and God said, Adam, where art thou? And he said, I hid myself. And it said that God, he heard God walking, God's voice walking through the midst of the garden. There was a couple accounts where they had heard God's voice walking through the midst of the garden. Now, understand that what they had for the garden is what we have was a type to what we have for the kingdom, okay? And God said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them. I've asked people before, have you ever heard a voice walking? Does it have footsteps? Did God's voice just all of a sudden grow legs and start strolling through this garden and Adam ran, ran and hid behind a rock. Is that because for some reason we, that's how we picture it. How did God's voice walk through the garden? In the same way that he sang in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, that he will walk in us. His voice will literally move through our very bloodstream, through our very cell structure, to the smallest part of the human body, God will move into that, and he will be our God, and we shall be his people. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6 said, But Christ 
as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm unto the end? I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 25. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. I want you to notice that. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. Hebrews 9, 7 said, But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. Hebrews 10, 9 said, Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He hath taken away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. He hath taken away the first, that he may establish the second. Hebrews 9.12 said, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So the reason that I'm stressing those, some of you may not be aware, but there's a lot of you that will follow these people. And there's a lot of these ministers that are very popular today that are saying that Jesus is going to come back and establish his kingdom in Jerusalem and they will begin to sacrifice animals once again. Now, you've got to understand that that's a bunch of baloney. You've got to understand if you're going to believe the Bible, we have to believe the Bible. For he... For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong scripture. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal, notice that, eternal redemption for us. I want to talk about Hebrews 9.26 for a moment. For he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world, he hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. First Peter 1.20 said, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for you. Now, understand that the last times or the last days or the end of the world that they're speaking about was when Jesus was crucified. That was the end of the world. That was the last days. That was the last times. Ephesians 1, 9 said, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one things in Christ, in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth, even 
in him.